0: Welcome to another edition of our uh, Turo College sessions that come from uh, time to time. Not enough, but nonetheless we have a a special edition, being that uh, we are, I guess, tonight's Wednesday night, so we're Erev, 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 Hanukkah. We're in striking distance. We're less than a week away. So I'd like to direct my comments to the upcoming uh, Hag. Uh, Not too much uh, rabbinical literature, at least from the Mishnah and the Talmud regarding Hanukkah. We have a couple of pages in Masichet Shabbat. There is no Masichet Hanukkah technically in Shas. It's not a... uh, a Torah Shebaal heavy holiday, in the sense that, again, we don't have too much Gemariyot or Mishnayot, as opposed to, let's say, Purim, where you have a Massechit a dedicated to the laws of Purim. But uh, that doesn't uh, stop the later rabbis from having a lot of Torah that's related to Hanukkah. And every holiday has its question, and Hanukkah is no exception. There is the famous question of the Bet Yosef uh, regarding Hanukkah. And uh, the question is that it's an eight-day holiday. And the old tradition is that when the Hasmonaim <coughs> came to rededicate the Bet HaMikdash, they noticed that all the oils were defiled by the uh, yibanim. And therefore, they needed to light the menorah, and they couldn't find kosher oil. And they found a pach shemen, uh, a jug, a flask that had the seal of the gadol on it. And uh, from that a flask, a miracle happened, and it lasted for, for eight days. And the bet Yosef's question was, well, it seems that in the flask there was enough for one day. So the first day wasn't a miracle. First day was. They had enough for one day and it lasted one day. Now, the subsequent days were the miracle. So, therefore, why is it an eight day holiday if the miracle was only seven days? I know you know that question. That question is known as the question of the Bet Yosef. Although, actually, uh, earlier Ishonim have asked this question. The Tosfot asked it, so that's before the Beit Yosef, but for some reason he gets the credit uh, as the one that asked the question. Now, <clears throat> I had a book many years ago called Ner Me'a. It was a book that offered no less than 100 answers to this question. Subsequently, somebody gave me a book with 500 answers. I mean, so basically, whatever you're going to say is probably an answer to this question. I mean, it's, uh, In this case, we say, you know, the answer is better than the question. If it's so easy to answer this question, how good of a question could be in the first place? But nonetheless, the Bet Yosef offers three answers, which I'll give them to you quickly. But before I give you the uh, answers of the Bet Yosef, I must point out that it's only a question premised on the Gersah that we have in the Gemara Shabbat, Chaf Aleph, Amud Be'er. The Girsah that we have is, and they found the Pach that had enough to light for one day. And the miracle was that it lasted for eight days. But there's a different Girsah from the Geonim that actually say, and they found the Pach that did not have even enough for one night. So if you have that Girsah, that answers the question of the Beit Yosef. The miracle on the first night was that they didn't have enough for the first night either. And therefore, it lasted uh, the full night. So therefore, it all depends on the Gersah. So Kandar the Yosef had our Gersah, he was asking according to that shiutah. Now, I had a question. Uh, I mean, according to the Geonim, that they found the Pach Shemen that didn't have even enough for the first night. Why would they fill jugs that do not have the minimum shiur? I mean, they know that the shoot of the menorah takes a certain amount of oil, so why would they create a, a jug in the Beit HaMikdash that does not have uh, the right amount of oil for the, for the menorah? And that assumes that this oil that they found was menorah oil. And if they made, like today we have those prepackaged packaged uh, you know, uh, uh, cups. So, you know, imagine you went and bought the cups, and they told you, well... Sorry that we know the halakas that have to last for half hour, but we only put twenty five minutes of oil in the cups. What kind of racket is this over here? You know, it has to last for half hour. Put the right amount of oil. So, I mean, the Beit Hamikdash they knew that these cups, uh, these flasks, need to fill up the menorah. So, why wouldn't they put the the right amount? Unless we say that the the flask that they found, the paksheimin that they found, was not initially. Designated for menorah oil. So then, what what could have been designated? There's only one other thing in the Beit Hamikdash we use oil for, and that is minahot. So it must have been a oil that was dedicated for the minha. Well, whose minha? Well, ask yourself another question. The Pach Shemin had the seal of the Kohen Gadol on it. Since when does the Kohen Gadol? serve as the mashkiyah of the beta Magdash that he gives his supervision to the oil why, why, why is it, why is the, we take it for granted because that's the way we learned it when we were young oh and they found the Pak Shemim with the Chotam of the Kohen Gadol now I don't have a problem if the OU is giving it kashrut or the, you know, the other, other agencies but the Kohen Gadol I think is overqualified for giving a seal now to the oil of the Beth Magdash. that's not one of his jobs if you look at the, the job description of the Kohen Gadol he does a lot of things but one of his job is not to provide kashrut for the oils. So why was why was that oil in the first place hotam be hotamo shel kohen which is which is kind of strange. You have an answer. I'd love to know the answer to this question. If you have an answer, could it be it was a shemen mishka for the king? Shemen a mishka for the king, and that answers what question. That answers that it's oil. Okay, it was oil anyway. The question I want to know is, why was that the seal of the kohen gadol? My answer would suggest that it's not the oil of the mincha; it's maybe
1: the. Oil the I I I
0: accept very well. It's the oil of the of the king. The, why is the why is the kohen sealing the oil for the king? Again, is that a job description of a kohen gadol? Yeah. you don't know, so I don't know either. So now, so now, so now we got to go back. And, and, but, the, but but you'll answer the first question somehow by, and that's why there wasn't enough oil for the menorah because you know from somewhere that the oil that they, they, they anoint kings has less than the oil that's needed for the menorah well if you go according to the answer that I saw according to the Shabbat shalmi, he says a beautiful answer he says that there's a special minha that is brought by the Kohen Gadol every day it's called Minhat Habiteen. Shel kohen and uh, this mincha is only brought by a kohen gadol, and it has to come from his money. It's not paid by the tenumata by the treasury. So we must pay for it himself. And the Torah tells us how many lugin of oil are in this mincha, three lug. Oh, so once you say that, it's very very plausible to say that this Pach Shemin, that had the hotam of the Kohen Gadol was the private oil of the Kohen Gadol for his Minhat Havitin. That explains why it had the hotam of the Kohen Gadol, because it was his. And that explains why there wasn't enough for the Menorah, because how much oil does it need to fill the entire Menorah for one night's oil? Eat, very, very good. Each cup gets a half a log. So therefore, to light the Menorah, you need three and a half log in. But for the Menachot Habitin of the Kohen all we need is three lugin, and therefore it, it works out according to that of the Geonim that they found the Pakshemen that didn't even have enough to last for one night because this was shemen of Menachot and this was for the shemen of the Menorah, but that's the best they had, and therefore there was a miracle even on the first night, and therefore we don't, we don't have the question of the Bet Yosef. Are we are we clear on this? Mm-hmm. Good.
1: There Go was no,
0: why was there a seal of the Kohen bubble. Why? Because it was his? It was the Kohen himself. It was his? He put it in private property. Private property, this is his mind, so they don't mix it up with, uh, with other things. Because the deen is that the Minhat Habiteen must come from the Kohen private money. He must bring the oil himself. He can't uh, use it from the public funds. That explains why there was a Chotam of Kohen on him. So that's... Uh, but that bypasses the whole question. That takes away the whole fun of Hanukkah. Was the fun of Hanukkah has to answer the question? But if you tell me there's a text that 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 you know it, it, it undermines the whole uh, Kushyah, so therefore you know all those books and all those uh, pilpulim are out the window. I did see uh, another interesting uh, answer. Just before I get to the answer of the uh, of the Beit Yosef, it's from the Hatam Sofer. Hatam Sofer says that. When they got to the Beit HaMikdash, it was too in disarray and uh, it took them time in order to re-establish and purify the temple. So they couldn't light the menorah in the normal place, which is inside the temple. Instead, they had to light it outside. Uh, How does he know they lit it outside? So he has a a ra'ayah from the Sidur. What does it say in the Sidur in the al Anisim? And they came into the temple, and they had to clean out the hall. Interesting, they lit the menorah in the chasrot. Chasrot means in the chad which means they lit it outside. Which to me is very very nice because that uh, indicates to me that there was a persum in the lighting of the menorah at the time of Hanukkah the Bet Magdash, more than normal, because normally the menorah was lit inside where nobody could see it. But on the Hanukkah, since they lit it by Kochecha, everybody was able to see it, and that might explain why there's such a mitzvah of Pilsumanes in our time, because that's the way it was done at the time of the Hashemunayim. But what does the Hatam Sufid gain with this answer? What he gains is, is It's true they had enough oil in the jug for one night, but that's if you're lighting inside. But if you're lighting outside, the menorah is going to take more fuel because of the wind factor. And therefore there was a miracle even on the first night that even though normally the menorah should have taken more fuel because it was lit outside, it still lasted the, the whole night. So there were the jugs that they filled up and had enough for one night when you're lighting under normal circumstances, under normal conditions. But once they were lighting outside, there was no way that this oil uh, would be able to fuel them and or out for the whole night. And the miracle was that it did. Understand that answer? That's the way the Hatem Sofer says. Now, the Beit Yosef's answers. let's just go through those for a second. He gives three answers and they're not easy answers. Although they sound simple, but they're not easy. The first answer, he says, is is they found the Pach and they knew that they're going to have to make this last for eight days because they knew that it would take four days to go to the place, Moza, where they would make the oil, and then four days to come back. So they know they have to figure out some way to stretch this oil for eight days. So what did they do? They took an eighth of the oil and they lit it on the first night. Oh, so if you tell me they took an eighth of the oil, so that was a miracle that the eighth of the oil was able to last the entire night. Okay, that's a, that's a, yeah, that's a miracle. and That's a miracle actually every night, because every night they were just taking a, an eighth of the oil. The only question on that answer uh, is uh, a few questions. Number one, I mean, we have a general rule that says, En sub you can't go into relying on miracles. And here if they took an eighth of the oil, it means they're going in relying that there's going to be a miracle. You had enough for one night. Wouldn't it be the Lord that says, okay, listen, I can't worry about tomorrow. You have enough for one night, follow the halakha today, and Mashiach will come tomorrow. I can't worry about tomorrow. So for the fact that they put an eighth in, so the question, what gives them the right, uh, what gives them the right to do that? Unless you want to say that they had good indication that miracles were going to happen from the fact that they found the Pach Shemin. Now let's, let's, let's talk this out. I mean, the Ivanim had a concentrated effort with et kol ha-shimanim. That's something that they did intentionally. It's not just that was a random thing. They went looking for shimanim to metameh. They didn't want us to like the Manura for some reason. So the fact that they had a concentrated effort to be metame all the Shemanim, and this Pach Shemin eluded them, and then it, it, it eluded the Greeks, but it didn't elude the Hashemanim when they came in, so they felt that that was a tremendous Hashakah Bashem. That Look at this, there's a Pach Shemin, you know, we, 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 we we're in the game. So when they saw the, uh, the, uh, uh, the Hashakah was on their side, so to speak, so therefore they said, you know what, if Hashim... Showed us this pach means it's miraculous. Therefore, we could we could assume that the is going to make a another miracle for us. Uh, That's not considered nesom ness nes. No, be, be, because uh, they had reason to sumech on the nes. They had reason to be sumech. It's nes But if already you see that the you know the uh, uh, the the the, the, the is in your in your uh, at your back, so therefore already. Was fair to assume. But I I think there's a a much easier answer uh, to this, um, to the answer of the Beit Yosef. When he says that uh, every night only an eighth lit, what he could mean to say is they put the whole thing in the menorah following the halakha. And when they came back the next morning, only an eighth was burnt. So therefore, we have no problem. And then the second day, another eighth went. And then another 8th one. So they put as much as they were able to put in the menorah. doesn't mean they put an 8th and They put the whole thing in, and only an 8th was, was burned. So that, that will solve that. They weren't they, they, they did it the right way. And Hashem made the miracle as such. And I think uh, there's a famous Maharsha that uses this answer of the Beit Yosef to explain the shitab Bet that everybody struggles with. You know, in the Masechet Shabbat, we have a machlok, and how are supposed to light the menorah? You know, like betilil, or like Bet Betilil is the you know conventional way that we do it: the first night one, then two, then three, malim bakodesh, and you go up. And Bet Shammai actually has an anti-climatic way of uh, lighting the menorah. The first night night eight, and by the time you get to the last night of Hanukkah, Shmini Shel Hanukkah, Zot Hanukkah, there's one uh, there's one candle up. So for some reason, he decided to go to go down, and the Gemara is searching for some reasons for Bet Shammai. But the Maharsha says in the Gemara, well, based on the Bet Yosef, we can understand because if they put all the oil in the flask on the first night, so you had on the first night eight eighths, and then the second night you had seven eighths, and then six eighths, and then five. So the miracle actually descended according to that first answer. And Bet Shammai is saying to commemorate the way the miracle happened eight seven six five four three two one, so therefore that's how you like. It because that was the way the next happened according to the first answer of the Bet Yosef. So that's a that's a nice uh, a nice is in Bet Shammai. Second answer and the third answer of the Bet Yosef are uh, similar. The second answer is is that when they filled up the menorah with all the oil. When they came back the next morning, they found the pach was still full. So it's like uh, Baba uh, ada, You know, <laughs> he, he kept on pouring it, and then and, and, and the flask did not that. So that was the miracle. And then the third answer, of the video, which I said is similar, is that they filled the menorah, and when they came the next morning, the menorah was still lit which means the menorah still had the oil in it. So either the menorah remained in the flask or the menorah remained in the menorah. It's uh, two ways of saying the same thing, just where, where was the oil remaining. Either when they woke up in the morning, the menorah was in the flask had poured again, or the menorah was still filled with the oil. Nothing, nothing, nothing receded. And if it was a miracle, the fact that uh, uh, it, didn't, uh, it, didn't, it didn't consume any oil. So those, those are the three answers. The problem with the last two answers of the Beit Yosef is that his whole question was what was the miracle on the first night? And he answered it. He said the miracle was when they woke up the next morning they realized that on the first night it was miracle oil. It, it lit the whole night without consuming. So retroactively when they woke up they realized what happened the night before was a miracle. And that's what happened every single night. When they lit the next night, when they woke up and saw so the oil was still there, it became a miracle, retroactively. The next night, and so on and so forth. But the Pri Hadash asks on the Beit Yosef that, well, all you did is shift the question now to the last night. Because it comes out that on the last night there was no miracle. Because on the last night they had oil, and it lit. And when they woke up after the 8th day, what happened? There was no oil, it was finished, the miracle was over. So therefore, now, now the question of the Beit Yosef is, a new question based on this. Why is it again an eight day holiday? Instead of asking that the first day wasn't a miracle, now we can ask you about yourself the eighth day wasn't a miracle. Understand why? What happened? On the, on the, on the seventh day, they lit. The next morning, the, the jug was still full. Beautiful. So they realized that the night before, on the seventh uh, night when they lit, it was a miracle. It, 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 didn't, it didn't consume. Now they had the oil. So what did they do with that? Well, they lit the eighth night. So they had oil waiting for the eighth night. And when they lit the oil on the eighth night, it lit. No chadush on that. And it consumed. They had enough. So what was the miracle on the eighth night? So therefore, I mean, the Beit Yosef, he just shifts the question from the first day to the last. That's the Piyadash's question. And then the Piyadash has a tremendous chadush. It is a tremendous chadush. And he has ra'ayot to what he's going to say. And his ra'ayot are very, very strong. He says, therefore, I concede to the bit Yosef's question, and I say, you're right. The first night wasn't a miracle. Because they had enough oil. And the miracle of the oil really was only seven days. Very good. So then what are you celebrating on the first night? The first night we're not commemorating the miracle of the oil. We're commemorating the miracle of the victory of the war. Big Hadush. That means he now has turned the eight nights of the Hanukkah to two different kavanot. On the first night, when you stand in front of the menorah with your family, you have to say We're now about to light the menorah, and all the kids are going to say, "Yeah," because they found. Hey, don't talk about the oil. It's tomorrow night. Don't don't talk about tonight. It's the first night. But the So what are we doing tonight? <laughs> No, tonight's the war. The war is the first night because there was no miracle on the first night. On the second night, when you get it, Ah oh, Raboyai, we're lighting in the Yeah, because of the war. No, yeah, that was last night. And tonight we're doing it because of the miracle they found the oil and last. Of the so it's two different kavanot. That means he agrees. You're right, but Yosef, there wasn't a miracle on the first night, and that's and the reason why we're lighting on the first night is not to commemorate the miracle of uh, the shaman. The first night to commemorate, There was a war. By the way, that, that that answers a good question because we really don't do anything on Hanukkah to commemorate the war, except al anisim We make some mention of, of Hodaah, but according to you're actually doing a you know a but he proves it. Now, what's this proof? Is I prove I'm right? There's a big question why you call the holiday Hanukkah. So, most of these Yishunim learn Hanukkah, because they rededicated the second temple. So there was a Hanukkah. But the Ran learns Hanukkah, like we learned when we were in first grade, Hanukhafeh. What does Hanukhafeh mean? That they rested from the war... On the 25th. That means they were fighting the Yivani. When did the war end? On the 25th of Kislev. Oh, very nice. And then when did they light the menorah? Right. They must have lit the menorah on the 26th. That night they came and they lit the menorah. On the 26th. So then the question is, but we don't light on the 26th, we light on the... 25th. 25th. Ah, you know why? Because the reason why we're lighting on the 25th is Hanukkah because of the war. That's why we light a day early. Although in the times of the Bet Hamidbar, they must have lit on the 26th because that's when the war was over. So why did we preempt to light a day early? Because we're celebrating the Hanukkah as it's called Hanukkah, and therefore we come on HaFeh, We we light the menorah in order to remember that uh, that nest. So that would be the the of the. Of the, uh, of the of the prihadash. Okay. So those are those are basic, basic answers. Now I want to go to the parashah for a minute and say a chidush. Maybe a new way to answer the Bet Yosef's question. So we're reading these parashiyot of Yaakov Abinu. There's a midrash that quotes a pasuk in Iyov. The pasuk is, Lo shalavti Ve lo shakatti ve lo nachti v'yavu I'll say it again. Lo shalavti. Lo shalavti. I didn't have peace. Shalva. Lo shalavti. Yaakov is talking. Lo shalavti. Ve lo shakatti. I did not have tranquility. Ve lo nachti. I did not rest. Vayavo yavu and the peril and the troubles came to me. These are four situations that Yaakov is referring to. So the Vidrash says, Lo shalavti in the story of Lavan, veloshakati in the story of Esav, velo in the story of Dina, ve in the story of Yosef. We're well, going to read in this week's Perashah, Yaakov Borei says, what do you mean? There's no Shavafra alav shel Yosef. shel Yosef, by So the Pesukim are talking about the four different uh, challenges, we'll call them, that Yaakov Abinu endured. Lavan, from Lavan he went to Esav. From Esav he had uh, the story of Dinah, which we read in last week's perasha. And from Dinah he has the story of this week's perasha, to Rogzo shel Yosef. And whenever you see uh, four troubles or four uh, situations of uh, stress, exactly, the HaKamim always are going to relate it, that this is a precursor to the four exiles that the Jewish people eventually were going to endure as a nation. Ma'asei Avot, Siman Labanim. So if Yaakov Abinu goes through you know, four uh, situations, rest assured, we are going to go through them a- as well. So, therefore, Lo Shalafti, that's Galut Babel. Velo Shakati, ze Parasumadai. Velo Nachti, Galut Yavan, Vayavoroges, ze Malchut Romi. Now we have to go back and see how each one of these situations that Yaakov Abinu was in actually is the forerunner of one of the eventual Galuyot. So let's go to the first one. The first one, Yaakov Abinu found himself in Lavan's house. Uh, Depending on how you look at the map, uh, it's possible that Lavan lived in uh, Bavil. And therefore, for the fact that Yaakov Abinu went down to Laban's house, so that could be the precursor of Galut Babel. And then what happens? He comes out to Esav. Now, what happened after Galut Babel was Parasumadai. Parasumadai, we know, was Haman. And we know that Esav is the great great grandfather of Haman. And then with that whole situation with Esav and uh, Yaakov, is already hinting to us. The events of Parasumadai. There's the na, na miyad. is Rashi Haman, which Yaakov Abinu was already alluding to. Not only what's happening today, but what's happening tomorrow. Furthermore, we know that Yaakov Abinu alava Shalom when he sees Esav, he bows to him. Uh, it says. That he bows to Isav. and it says that um, the only one that didn't bow was Benjamin. And the Gemara says because Benjamin didn't bow, so therefore, as a result of that, the Beit Hamikdash was built in his in his Chelik. Now, how do they know that Benjamin? wasn't the one that bowed. The pasuk says Ahad uh, It says when he came in front of Esav, it says he bowed with Ahad Asar So the Gemara asks, where was Dinah? So she was in a box. So therefore that's why uh it's eleven and Dinah's not there. Now how did the Gemara know, says the government of Vilna, that Dinah was missing? Maybe one of the other tribes was missing. Maybe Why did the Gemara say, hechanaya? <inaudible> how, how did the Gemara know to ask, hey, where was Dinah? I don't know, where was uh, where was God. So he says, they knew that none of the other tribes were missing because if the other tribes were missing, that means they didn't bow to... Esav and the Beit HaMikdash could have been built in their Helek. From the fact that the Beit HaMikdash was only built in the Helek of Binyamin, that means all the other tribes must have been present and bowed, and therefore when the pasuk says, Ahad al Yiladav, the is asking, hey, where was Dinah? Because all the other tribes must have been there. It's Binyamin that wasn't there. Have I what the Kermit Vilna says? No. Hamaz <laughs> no? That was a rhetorical question. What do you mean? So, so, odd palm say. The, the pasuk says the pasuk says I'll explain it again the pasuk says that when they came in front of Esav who bowed in front of Esav? Yaakov ve'ahad asad yiladav, and his 11 children so far good? now we don't know who the 11 children are we're assuming but well, somebody's missing because he has 12 children so it's 11 who's missing? So, so, so the Gemara asks, The Gemara asks, Vedina where, was, where was Dina? Mean, where was Dina? Maybe, we know Benjamin wasn't there, honey. We know Benjamin wasn't there. Benjamin for sure wasn't there. Benjamin wasn't born. No problem. But the Gemara is asking, Where was Dina? And I'm asking, Who says Dina was? Maybe where, where was Naftali? I, I didn't know Dinah was missing. Maybe, maybe uh, God was missing. Uh, there's 11. So maybe Dinah was there and one of the other tribes were out there. So the proves that all the boys must have been there. Because if one of the other boys wasn't there, the beta HaMikdash could have been built in his halik, because the rule was that Benjamin got his Beta HaMikdash section only because he didn't bow. And therefore the Gemara knew all the boys were present therefore Dinah must have been missing. Question on The, the main part, which is the Kodesh Kodeshim. The main the, part, the main part, the main part. The main so, main so, how do we know that Yehuda wasn't because it was missing? No, no, the main part, which is the Shekhinah part was in Benjamin. Shekhinah part of the Kodesh Kodeshim Kodesh is Benjamin. That's the part we're talking about. Oh, oh, oh if, it, if it would have said Banav, then we wouldn't have a Sheila Bikla, but it said Yiladav. So, Yiladav can include Dina. Now, question? he not have the so how he so wait let's go further so now so now whether he didn't have a Nisayon or not, Mitzayot he didn't do it and you cannot have the Beit HaMikdash, which represents the Ahadut of Hashem built in a hillock of somebody that already came out to somebody else Benjamin, by default, because he wasn't there. But Lamas said, <laughs> whether it's a Zikutim or it's a mitziut, he didn't bow. So therefore, he, he, he is the only one that has the worthiness, let's say, whether he earned the worthiness or didn't earn the worthiness, that we can debate. But he's the only one that doesn't have that flaw of bowing. Now it's very significant, because later on we would have a story Again, that has to do with bowing, since the second peril of Yaakov when he's with Esav is at Parasumadai, the whole story of Mordechai and Haman has to do with bowing. The Pasus is on Mordechai, lo yechrav lo He wouldn't bow. Now, why wouldn't Mordechai bow? Because which shevet does Mordechai come from? Benjamin. And then we say, listen, I didn't bow to your grandfather. Uh, and now I'm not bowing to you either. And, and the, the Kubalim say that actually, uh, a little deeper, they say, that actually Yaakov needed a rectification for bowing to Haman. And then when they say Mordecai came back as the Gilgul of Yaakov, and Haman was the Gilgul of Esav, and therefore Mordecai this time says, last time I bowed down to you, but now I'm making the rectification, and I'm not bowing. So you see, there's direct connections between Parasumadai and uh, Yaakov and Esav. Furthermore, the Pasuk says that when he went to fight the angel of Esav, it says he crossed over the Nahal, the river. Remember? He crossed crossed over the river. If you look in Megillah, Gemara Megillah, I think page 16, it says in the Pasuk, when they made the fast day, oh, it says it says Etanaha, that's by Yaakov. and by it says, by And the Kibber says, what did he do? He says, he crossed the river in order to go to the Jews on the other side. So you see, there's a similarity again, and both crossed the river in order to uh, uh, accomplish their, uh, their objectives. Now we get, Tadas lo velo shakati velo Nahti. Now we're right, what happened right after the story of uh, Esav, the story of Dinah. Now let's talk about the story of Dinah for a minute. What happens? But that said, Dinah. Dinah goes out. She goes out to uh, you know to see what's going on in the marketplaces of uh, Shechem. Comes Shechem Ben Hamor, Hamor Ben Hamor, and he sees uh, <laughs> he sees Dinah, and right away comes along and he has a heshek for her and a desire, and he takes her. Well, he takes Dinah. And the pasuk comes along and says that the brothers came from the field, when they heard what happened, anashim, they were very angry. Ki Yisrael. They did such a nevala, such a low thing, to, to sleep, to lie with the Bat ken lo yase. What, what is that language? Ken lo yase. That's future. This this should not happen again. Anyway, they make a, uh, a, a deal with them. It's, Listen, we'd love to marry you, but we can't marry you because you're not circumcised. But if you're circumcised, then maybe we can have a we can have a uh, you know uh, uh, camaraderie between our families. And they accept to the circumcise themselves on the third day of the circumcision. Shimon and Levi come along and kill out the whole town. At that point, the Pasuk says, Yaakov Abinu tells Shimon Nevi, hey, you put me in jeopardy over here. You want to kill that whole time? All the neighbors that heard what you did, they're going to come and they're going to attack us. We're only a few people. And what does, what do they answer? And what Interesting. Is our sister going to be a zonah? Now, this story over here, if we're correct, the first story of Lavan is Galut Bavil. Haram is in Bavil. The second story of Yaakov and Esav is Galut Parasu Madai. Incidentally, Hatsileni Na Miyad. Miyad Otiyot Madai. So the third situation of Yaakov must be Wat Keneget Galut? Yaban. Now, interestingly enough, where did Galut Yaban take place? It's the only galut that took place when we were in Israel. Galut Bavel, we were in Bavel. There was an exile. Galut Parasumadai, we were in Persia. Galut Yavan, Yavan came to Israel, and we were under their dominion in Eretz Israel. In the last hundred and eighty years of the Second Temple, we were under Galut Yavan, not in Yavan, not in Greece, in Israel. The Gemara says there was a gate on the eastern flank of the Beit HaMikdash, it was called the Gate of Shushan. Why would they have a Shushan Gate on the Beit HaMikdash? For the same reason why sometimes you go to a shul and you see an American flag in the shul. <laughs> uh, well, it's not the United Nations. What is the flag doing in the shul? I Moshe didn't like to have flags in the shul. But okay, they put a flag in the shul to show what? Yeah, God bless America. We're, although we're here doing Jewish stuff, but uh, we have loyalty. We, you know, I pledge allegiance to the flag. So therefore, they had to make a Shushan gate, as if to say, uh, we pledge allegiance to Paras. Uh, Shushan is the capital. Therefore, they were under the dominion of Paras. And, and then later on, that's the, the, the first 52 years of the Bethlehem, the first 100 years, and then the last 180 years, Paras f- f- fell away, and Yavan came in. And Galut Yavan was in Erez Israel. It was in Erez Israel. And where is the story of, 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 of uh, Dina? In what city? Shechem. Where is Shechem? It's Yisrael. So therefore the location fits also. Now, in the case of Lavand, he wanted to kill us. In the case of Esav, he wanted to kill us. Which is exactly what the Babylonians did, and exactly what Haman wanted to do. Mikesh lashmid lharug Shechem and the people of Shechem had no intention to kill anybody. What was their intention? To assimilate. Which is exactly the Kavana of the Greeks. And that's exactly what happened. You had the Mityavnim, where they went in mass and assimilated. And therefore you see over here in this story a very, very similar... uh, Similar themes over here that took place. And that's why when Shimon and Levi came along and they took over the whole town. Now, isn't that a tremendous victory? Two people were able to overcome the many. Is that not the story of Hanukkah Rabim Yad Ma'atim? We had the many were able to go and take over the, although uh, 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 the few, I'm sorry, were able to uh, take over the many. That's exactly what happened in Shimon and Levi. And I want to point out as well. One of the two was Levi. And which tribe is Levi? That's the tribe of the Kwanim. That's the Hashmonaim. So they were even the tribe that was responsible, at least halfway for this victory, was the same tribe that was responsible for the victory of Hanukkah. And that's why when they see this event, Shimon Levi saw that this is a precursor to something worse. And therefore they said, if we're not going to fight now, they're not going to be able to fight later on. And therefore they said, lo that if we're not going to fight now, this is going to happen in the, in the future. So therefore they were ready had a precursor of a future event. And then what happens, they come back from the war, and Yaakov says, what's well, the big idea? What's going on? And they say, Now, the word, anything to write? No, it doesn't work. Uh, that's a high <laughs> that's, that's okay. That's fine. Well, no, for next time. No, just, just, uh, you'll see. I'll speak it out. You'll get it. it. Says, I think maybe the Hatam Sofed, or one of the Tzadikim. Now, you know. Would happen during the time of Hanukkah. They made a gezera that any Bitulad that would want to get married, first she would have to be uh, uh, violated by the governor. That was a rule in the times of the Yevanin, and uh, the roots of that is what Shechem bin Hamor did to Dinah. He's the governor, and he took the uh, he took Dinah, and that would end up becoming a tremendous. Precursor of the Gezerah that the Greeks would do that call noseta Betula, Tafsat you have to go with the governor first. And that's what Beni Yakob was saying. Not only now, but meaning during the times of Hanukkah. And if you take the word Kezona Kezona Khaf. Zion, Vavnun He, it's almost exactly the letters of Hanukkah. Yeah, it's only one letter different. The Zion, move it, make the Zion of Hachezona to a hit, and it's exactly Hanukkah. Huh? Which is okay. In, In Gematria, if you're one off, the Rosh says you're okay. So therefore, is Hanukkah. The only letter is the Zion to the Chet. So therefore, they're coming along to say is the Hanukkah, which is going. So therefore, there is a name is Torah in this galut over here. Now watch what happens right after the event. This is the, the cherry on the cake. So Yaakov leaves Shechem and they kill all these people, and the pasuk says by they start to travel and they get to Bet El. Now, what do they do when they get to ill? El? They get to ill, El, and the Pasuk says they come along and they build the Mizbayah. He makes a And what does he do? All of a sudden, he pours oil on the matziva, which is a strange thing. And therefore, you see that right after what happened, the story of Dinah, Torah is telling us, he takes some oil and he pours it on the Mizbaya, which is the name is already, which is the Hanukkah the in the times of Yaakov Abinu, which is eventually would happen at the time. So there's the mazim in the Torah at least. to this this holiday. Now, if you wanted to see one more remez in the Torah, the Hanukkah, even though it's not a holiday from the Torah, but everything's in the Torah. If you go to Parashat Emor, you'll see that the Torah lists all the Hagim. And it goes through from Pesach to Shavuot, and then it goes to Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkot. It goes through all the holidays from beginning to end. And right after it finishes with Sukkot, so the Torah says, El L'mo'adah Hashem, Mekra'i Kodesh, Hashem, T'k'ro'otam B'mo'adam, Va'yidabar Moshe M'o'adah Hashem L'b'nai Yisrael. That's it. It's over. Those are the holidays. Next Pasuk. Now, but don't want to holidays. Next Pasuk. Va'yidabar Adwai'in Moshe L'mor, S'avet Bnei Yisrael, Va'yikru'e el-echa Hashem Enzai Zach. Take Shem and Zayat, Katit Lamaor, that's crushed properly, Lamaor for lighting purposes, Laha'alot Ner Tamid, in order to light the Menorah. Ala Menorah tehora, Ya'arok etan Nerot, lefna Hashem Tamid. Hold it. we Parashat Emor. The Menorah is not in Parashat Emor, the parashat, not parashat Tzaveh. This is Mishkan stuff. From where to where, in the Parashat of the Mo'adin, does the Torah start to talk about the lighting of the menorah? The Torah with shemen. says the Balad okay, What's the holiday after Sukkot? Hanukkah, not Thanksgiving. Hanukkah. <laughs> therefore, <laughs> therefore, right after the Torah lists the story of Sukkot, the Torah comes along and says. Take the oil. Otherwise, what is this? What is this pesach doing You're in the middle of nowhere? This minora Torah. So you see, where it is? the from the Torah itself to this mitzvah of of Hanukkah. And the lesson, in conclusion, for us is a big question. What did they have to? What did they have to go out of their way to use this oil in the first place? They could have used any oil technically based on the rabbinical rule of It's a famous question I ask on this. They could have used any oil, even Tame oil. So why did they uh, rely on miracles and uh, you had to make all these uh, uh, you know uh, 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 uh. reliances that you only had enough for one day and had less for eight days they knew the law they said you know what, very nice it would have been nice if we found eight packs, but we didn't find eight packs. we found one, so you know what one's not going to help us for eight days we're going to invoke the law of and we're going to take tameh oil what, what, what was the why couldn't they do that why couldn't they just rely on Teme oil? Can I ask a simple question? Everybody assumes and the Greeks came in and they were metame the oil. How do Greeks metameh oil? Touch. Touch? But goyim do not have Tumam in Torah. A Goy is not Tameh in Torah. There's no way a Goy can metameh anything. I know you think he's Tameh because that's the way they tell you it is Goyim, the tamir. But spiritual Tum'ah they don't have. So therefore, how did they metamit anything? It's not a question. Everybody's always worried about what do they do now? Now that everything was Tum'ah, what did they do? And I'm asking a simple question. How did they metamit? So most of the Rishonim learned it was Tum'ah So therefore, the Tum'ah that they had was a rabbinical Tum'ah. Okay, so fine. So a rabbinical Tum'ah. So for rabbinical Tum'ah... It's so only rabbinical. From the Torah, the, the oil was Tahor. So why couldn't they use it? Unless you say, there's one of the Mefarshim that say, hadush that know that the oil was actually Tameh Minat Torah. Why? Because the Greeks came and they killed Jews in the Betta HaMikdash. And when they killed Jews in the Betta HaMikdash, the Jews were under the same oil and tumat oil is tamer And therefore, it wasn't tamer mid, it was tamer Okay, but still, you can use that oil. Even if it's tamer m'deoraita. If there's no other choice, tumat r'abesibur, why do they be so stubborn to light only with this kosher oil, when they had a to light? Unless you say, and some of the Mepharshim say this, that the oil actually was not tamer, but the Greeks used it in Abu Zarah. When it says vitimu means they made it like it was Tameh, but not that they actually physically uh, uh, defiled it. They used it in Avodah Zarah, and once it's used in Avodah Zarah, that's worse than regular Tum'ah. You don't say Tum'ah, Hudra on something that was used in Abu Zarah. And therefore they had no choice but to rely on this. This oil that they, they found was once, the, if you say it's tum'ah, then everybody has the question, hey, tum'ah, but if you learn no, the way they defiled it was to Abu zara. so then already you can't use it, and then they, they didn't have any other oils, yes? It says tum'ah. Oh, so the Mefarisi might have to explain, they defiled it. How did they defile it? To Abu zara. not, not the, uh, the regular, you know, standard usage of the word tum'ah. And uh, finally, we'll conclude with our thoughts for Hanukkah. Is that that explains that even though they might have had leniencies to light with tamer oil, according to those opinions, but they didn't. They didn't. They didn't choose it because they understood that. <clears throat> Since this is an inauguration moment, and this is a, a moment of a beginning, where we're re-inaugurating the menorah, so although Tum'ah is sibud, that's already if you're already in the middle of the process of lighting already. But if it's the first time you're lighting, you cannot build the foundation already on a compromise. Understand the difference? Yeah, Tumatu Tabisibu. What is Tumatu if already you're in you're in progress? If you're lighting menorah every day and now you ran out of oil, and okay, continue lighting. But if this is the first time you're lighting it, which that's what this was, it was Hanukkah, it's the inauguration, there they were not going to rely on on a compromise. And I saw a story to bring this point down. There was a great rabbi called the Adirit. Adirit came from uh, Europe to Eretz Israel to become the rabbi after Rabbi um, Shmuel Salant, who was the rabbi in Yerushalayim, and Adirit took over. And he was a young rabbi, the Adirit. And when he comes to Eretz Israel, <coughs> he just got off the boat, and right away Rabbi Salant says, I want to show everybody that you're the new rabbi. I want you to come to Sadir Kedushim. The whole community is going to be here tonight, and I want them to show it. Fine. he comes to the wedding. By Adelet, the comes. Uh, and now, he's Mr. Leder Kedushin, so he has the wine in his hand. Now the people were going crazy. First of all, that he made Shakul on wine... That's a ready, what kind of rabbi? They don't know the better kind of wine? So okay, they said, okay, yeah, maybe it was white wine. But even so, the worst problem with this rabbi is if you made shakol on wine, you're am there. So the fact that he corrected himself, I mean, given, he doubled down on the mistake. And now the people are like, this, this is the rabbi. So that, they did it, they explained themselves in an uh, an unbelievable uh, lambdas, unbelievable savara. He said, well, you don't think I know that if you make shakol on gefen, you yotzeh? But not in this case. Because in this case, who's really supposed to make the beracha on the wine? The hatan. The hatan nominated me as a shaliyah. And when you nominate somebody as a shaliyah, he's nominating it for me to do it the right way, not a bidi'abad way. He's starting his wedding off. This is the first moment of his wedding. We're going to start his wedding off now with a shako, which is bidi'abad. You know, when you're a shali'ah for somebody else, he, I didn't make you a shali'ah to become a shako on a Giffin. I made you my child to do it, to do it right. Adidas' point was now that you're starting your marriage, it's a Hanukah bayit, And Hanukah ha'bayat, there's no compromise. There's no bidi'abad, you made a juggle. There you have to do it. Correct. And use that story to see the same thing in the menorah. Although they were able to make some leniencies, but they didn't take the leniency. And that might explain why, when it comes to Hanukkah, even though the Gemara says you could light one candle a night, but what does everybody else do? Madrin, madrin. everybody all of a sudden becomes very, very, very firm on Hanukkah. Madrin, even though when it comes to other mitzvot, what's the minimum? What's the? And by the way, most people don't even know there's a minimum on Hanukkah. If you would go to some of your friends and say, Why, what do you like all these candles for? Just light one. Are you allowed to do that? Nobody ever told me that. That means Mahadirin Mahadirin becomes the standard. Why? Because we're commemorating what they did. They went and they did something above and beyond. They could have relied on to Huhtra Sibur, but they did. not They relied on the, uh, 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 they knew that it was Zahinuk, and therefore we take the same approach. All right. stop